Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. This week is pretty heavy with bad news on further bad patch info and general info of shit not working, but hang in there. It's not all bad news this week. So let's start with some Google news. This week saw Google Cloud Next 2018 in San Francisco. Google had many, many announcements. Too many, in fact, to cover all in this episode, so let me just hit a few that I found particularly interesting. First on the developer and DevOps front. Google are introducing a service mesh based on the open source Istio, which will soon move to version 1.0, a fully managed version thereof running in Google Cloud Platform. Google are furthering hybrid computing with GKE on-prem, a Google-configured version of Kubernetes that includes multi-cluster management that you could deploy on-premises or in other clouds. GKE policy management establishes a single source of truth for the policies that govern your Kubernetes workload across any enrolled cluster. Google would like for developers to build applications serverlessly, even if using straight-up Kubernetes. To help do that, they will offer the new GKE serverless add-on. Then they will be releasing that same serverless framework as open source under the name Knative. And speaking of serverless, they'll be adding support for Python 3.7 and PHP 7.2 runtimes on App Engine standard environments. Also announced is Cloud Firestore, which lets you store and sync your app data at global scale with access within the GCP console, which is very important for supporting applications across many different data centers around the world. Google stated that they will soon expand the availability of Cloud Firestore beta to more users by bringing the user interface to the GCP console, letting you store, sync, and query data for cloud-native apps. Plus, Cloud Firestore will soon support data store mode, bringing better app performance and strong consistency. And for admins and IT support with an interest in the G Suite, there's also several announcements, such as the new solution Contact Center AI, which includes new dialogue flow features alongside other tools to assist live agents and perform analytics. There's also a new investigation tool in the Security Center, which helps admins identify which users are potentially infected see if anything's been shared externally, and remove access to drive files or delete malicious emails. Customers can choose where to store primary data for select G Suite apps, globally distributed, US or Europe, with data regions for G Suite, perfect for dealing with those compliance complexities and differences throughout different regions. Smart Reply is coming to Hangouts Chat. Using AI, Smart Reply recognizes which messages need responses and proposes reply options that are casual enough for chat, yet appropriate for the workplace. Smart Compose in Gmail intelligently auto-completes emails for you by filling in greetings, common phrases, etc. Some of these features may be familiar to you if you're using Office 365, so you know some of it is just catching up to what Office 365 already has or offers. Google Voice to G Suite, an enterprise version of Google Voice, is available in an early adopter program today. It lets admins manage users, provision, and port phone numbers, as well as access detailed reports and more. There's also a new standalone drive enterprise with usage-based pricing generally available already to help companies easily transition data from legacy enterprise content management systems. 
G Suite Enterprise for Education is also expanding to 16 new countries. Interestingly, Compute Engine will now use a resource-based pricing model, so your cost will be based on how many resources you consume over a given period of time, which will give customers more savings and a simpler bill, which would also be a pretty interesting move comparative to Microsoft's Azure and Amazon's AWS billing. In line with Google Cloud Next, it was announced that Google Cloud is to offer NVIDIA P4 graphics cards for inferencing tasks, providing another performance boost for those who require high-end processing in the cloud via NVIDIA GPU. If you're a regular listener, you'll have heard me warn about the July patches in the last two episodes, specifically the .NET Framework security roll-up and the fact it was reported to break SharePoint, Exchange, Citrix Zen Desktop 718, and Citrix Storefront. There is now even more information available on the patch and what it breaks. In fact, like me, if you have different departments handling their own patching, you may have heard from within your organization on what it has broken for other teams. The number of apps it has broken across organizations is quite significant. The issues are said to be specific to applications that initialize a comp component and run with restricted permissions. The .NET Framework Runtime uses the process token to determine whether the process is being run within an elevated context. These system calls can fail if the required process inspection permissions are not present, which then causes an access denied error. You may be familiar that Microsoft have boasted of their rigorous patch testing with the various different rings. Well, they stated they identified a test hole for the specific combination of COM activation and restricted permissions, including impersonation, and they will be mitigating that gap going forward. So unfortunately, this is one that they weren't testing for, and it just got through the cracks this time. If you have systems affected by this, you will need to uninstall the patch. You should also ensure you refresh your patches as Microsoft have pulled the patch in question. An updated patch will be released soon. Unfortunately, there's more in the bad patch saga. July patches on Windows 7, Server 2008 R2, Windows 8.1, and Server 2012 R2 may cause a restart of the SQL Server service to fail with the error TCP port already in use. Microsoft have also observed this issue preventing availability group listeners from coming online during failover events for both planned or unexpected failovers. The good news here is that fixes are already available for download. I'll share links as I always do for this episode, which is episode 30 on 5bytespodcast.com. The awesome Mary Jo reported for ZDNet that Microsoft have acknowledged that price increases are coming for Office 2019 and Windows 10 Enterprise users. This price increase is for commercial customers and will affect Office Client, Enterprise Cal, Core Cal, and Server products. As of October, Microsoft will be using the E3 name for the per-user version, not the per-device one. Windows 10 Enterprise E3 per-user will be relabeled as Windows 10 Enterprise E3, and the current Windows 10 Enterprise E3 per-device will be renamed Windows 10 Enterprise. It's all a little confusing, but for a more detailed breakdown on this and the price changes, check out the complete ZDNet article by Mary Jo. You'll find a link for this on 5bytespodcast.com under episode 30. The MSIX packaging tool, which I mentioned was coming to preview soon, came to preview this week and is officially available for download. 
Note, you must be an insider in the MSI group and require Windows 10 build 17701 or later to test the tool. If you're not familiar with MSIX, this is the new package format that Microsoft announced back in March at their build event. Promising will bring forward the great features of AppX while providing a way to convert your existing EXE, MSIs, and AppV packages. It has been available for a little while now with an open source framework allowing developers or IT pros to go through a conversion process of their existing apps using the desktop bridge tool and then converting to the MSIX format. That was not the nicest of workflows and it's certainly not one familiar to most IT pros. This packaging tool is a big improvement. This early preview is far from perfect, but it isn't a bad first attempt. I noticed some familiar concepts and features in the tool. You'll notice even when you're not converting an AppV app and you're just doing a straight up install capture of an EXE MSI script into the MSIX format, the virtual file directories still have the AppV prefixes. You'll also notice mentions of shims for redirection capabilities and facets of the UI are pretty similar to the AppV sequencer in my opinion. This is only in preview right now, so please do try the product and go to the feedback form and provide as much feedback as possible. Let's all provide Microsoft with as much feedback as possible to ensure the greatest possibility of success as this will make all of our lives easier. And maybe even eliminate packaging in the long run, though that's not likely and that hasn't been promised. To get a glimpse of the UI and also to see where to go for submitting feedback within the tool, check out the YouTube version of this episode. In other news, Microsoft have released PowerShell Core as a snap for Linux. You can now install it simply via the terminal using the command snap install powershell-classic. This week, George Spears, my fellow CTP, reports Microsoft Office 365 installations using the Office deployment tool fail on Citrix App Learning 4.x and suggests that you can contact Citrix support for a patched version of 4.12 which contains the fix. He also says the fix will be included in App Layering version 4.13. As I wrap up for this week's news, I just want to let you know that once again I'm running my RoryMon.com Fantasy Premier League, which is free to enter for all techies. Just like last year, whoever comes up with the best team name will win a $25 Amazon gift card or equivalent currency, and the winner of the league can choose a jersey of their preference. Last season's winner was Ambar Roy, who selected a Manchester United jersey. I'll provide a link to the sign up with this episode, and when you sign up, you'll get sent a lead code immediately. And now for this episode's hot jobs. Well, we're now on episode 30 of the podcast, and in the first 30 episodes, the show has featured a whole host of different job opportunities, as well as some useful portals for specific job types, such as those who hire remote workers, job postings specifically geared toward female techies, etc. Well, this week is a cool job site I found called Tech Jobs for Good. It's a tech job board featuring tech jobs with mission-driven organizations. If you go to the homepage right now, you'll find tech jobs with crisis line companies, healthcare companies, and more. If it's not all about money for you and you want to work a fulfilling job that's going to help people, this is a great resource for you. And now for this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. Every week I have many candidates for this segment, and this week was no exception. 
I've picked a cool community config manager patch compliance report template for Power BI as it's pretty topical based on the patching woes covered in the last few episodes. Essentially, you could query your ConfigMan databases for update compliance and output into a beautiful Power BI dashboard. I feel like Power BI has been popular in many areas for, for a little time now, but it's only just catching on with IT pros. So if you haven't used it before, this is a perfect chance. The template is freely available on the Microsoft Technoc Gallery and was created by Jordan Benzing. And for this episode, I'll also provide a link to a cool Microsoft post on using Power BI for graphing Office 365 usage. As always, I'll provide links for everything discussed in this episode on 5bytespodcast.com under episode 30, as well as in the YouTube description. Also, if you'd like to sign up for my email newsletter that I send out very infrequently, you can go to 5bytespodcast.com, scroll down to the footer, and you'll see a sign up there. You just provide your name and email address, and you'll get my newsletter once or twice a year whenever I have enough content that warrants sending out an email. And that's it for another episode. Thanks so much for listening.